hello everyone with Renovating Riches Radio. This is Dennis Rodriguez. I'm here with my co-host, Ricardo Rosales. And today we have the honor of having Meg Banahan from Banahan and Martinez, who are actually our preferred attorneys and title company now. Yeah. Um, uh, our, they're our go-to guys when it comes to contracts. And everything title. So they, yeah. they own... Is it a franchise, a good way of saying it, or just um, an office from American? So we're f fee attorneys for American Title. Um, that means we have a contract with American Title to close their transactions. So they they still do all the examination and underwriting, and then we do the closing services. So mo most everything that a customer would see would be involving us. Well, thank you for being <laughs> here with us, Meg. We're going to start shooting questions at you, but... For our audience, if you've been looking for a, what, what's normally called an investor-friendly title company, especially in the Houston area, uh, make sure to reach out to them. We're going to have their information uh, right uh, down in the description of this video. Or if you're just listening to the podcast, um, look at the show notes and we're going to have their information. On our website as well, we're going to have a link to their website. That way you can go check them out. So, Meg... Um, there's a question I want to address, and we've talked about title in other episodes. You can go back and listen to those. But um, you were at one of our events uh, uh, probably a few weeks or a month ago, and you were talking about what a title company does and what a title company does not. And at that event, I learned something, and, and you know, we were learning all the time, and this is, this is the reason we bring this to our audience, so, you know, we can try to get them to understand better what we do and talk about, you know, you know, uh, enterprises and business in general. But on one of your slides, you you were talking about what a title company does not do. And it, it sticked like a sore <laughs> thumb that title companies do not fix um, clouds or, or, or stuff that's wrong in title. Right. So it's not necessarily the title company's job to clear the title for you. Um, obviously, the escrow officers will kind of help guide you through that process mm -hmm. or at least identify those issues um but a, you're getting title insurance it's just like any other insurance policy so when you get that commitment it's telling you we'll issue insurance and these are the terms and conditions and mm -hmm. so you'll see all the exceptions um and then schedule c you know is what most people pay attention to and that shows you all the issues that need to be cleared if they're not cleared, they're going to be exceptions. And so it's not their job to fix all those Schedule C Let problems Let me ask you a question you. Before, before you get to yours. You talked about the schedules. Mm -hmm. How many schedules are there and which, what, what's on each schedule? So Schedule A is kind of the first, first page that you see, and it shows you know, what type of policy is going to be issued, the amount of the policy, um, who title is you know, currently vested in, and then it has the property description, the okay. legal description. So it's sort of your basic information. Um, schedule B uh, will go through and tell you the exceptions to the policy, so things that the insurance will not cover. Um, there's usually the standard exceptions that you'll see, and then you get down to, usually it's like number 10 on most policies, and it'll be more specific things. So that'll be your easements, um, if there's... Uh, restrictions on the, you know, an HOA with restrictions on the, the property. Um, a lot of like oil and gas leases maybe will show up on the property. Mm -hmm. um, so those kind of things. So exceptions for, you know, they're not going to cover 
you know, any kind of damages related to those things. Um, Schedule C is where you'll find, like, there's a mortgage, uh, you know, a current loan on the property that needs to be paid off or released. Um, if there's, say, a title issue, so sometimes on Schedule A it'll say, you know, this person's in title subject to these restrictions. Maybe they're deceased and they haven't probated their estate. Well, then Schedule C will say, this is what you need to do to fix those problems um, on, on Schedule A. And I guess just as a disclaimer, we're talking mainly Texas law and Texas processes here. If you're in another state, make sure you contact a local either attorney yeah. or title company and find out how it works in your specific area. Yeah. So, so only three wanna... schedules, A, B, and C. Well, D also okay. shows like who has an interest in the title uh, in the company, um, who's going to get part of the premium. So it'll show you, you know, the underwriter gets X percent of the premium and then the, you know, title company gets this much and, you know, we'll get a certain percentage for closing the transaction. And then if it's a, sometimes we have to use another title company to do the examination if it's a county that we don't have, you know, coverage at our plant. Um, and then they would get a percentage. So that right. kind of shows you the splits and who all the people, the shareholders, things like that are. Most people don't really look at that schedule. They're focused on, on A, B, and C, yeah. uh, mostly C. <laughs> yeah, I go straight to C. Yeah. It's like, are there problems? <laughs> That's why I ask you that question because I, I, every time I get a title commitment, I don't even look at anything else. Yeah. And then I remember uh, on one of the properties we had with you, you said, yeah, we can probably move that from Schedule C to Schedule B. And I was like, okay, but, you know. What, what does that what mean? What does that mean, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so oh. you should be looking at all, I mean, all three. Um, obviously, C is probably for investors. I mean, that's mm -hmm. where you're going to find all your problems um, that you need to fix. Uh, to yeah, see but now that you explained it, I understand that anything on Schedule B, it's actually exceptions. Right. So it's not covered under the title insurance. So when I get the, the, the yeah, we can move that from C to B. Oh, okay, wait a minute. Uh, it's not yeah. going to be covered on the insurance. Right. So. And sometimes there'll be things on Schedule B um, that you do want to look at. And it'll just be have a vague description of like some agreement filed under such and such number, and it'll tell you where to go find the document. And it may not be just a normal easement or something. I've seen, you know, memorandums of contract on Schedule B, um, and it's not necessarily the title company's job to say, "Hey, did you see this? Did you go pull that document and look at it?" Mm -hmm. um, if it's on on Schedule B. Okay. Now. Once I saw that in your slide, my next question is, or was at that time, okay, so if the title company is not technically responsible to fix or cure any um, clouds and title, then who's supposed to be doing it? And I know for the most part, like you mentioned, escrow officers tend to help with that because... You know, that's what I think, and, and the way I see it, that's what makes a title company investor-friendly. Like, it's normally thrown out there. Um, but in reality, it isn't the, the title company's job to do. Right. You're just kind of, like, doing it to, to help yeah. your clients. But in a perfect world, if I'm, if I'm the buyer or the seller of a property and there's issues with title... Who should I hire or where should I go to to start cleaning or, or fixing mm -hmm. those problems? Um, usually a real estate attorney. So um, in our the way we got started, before we opened the title company, we were, we were actually doing that for our clients. So we would help them. They would send us the title commitment. 
Um, we would review it. We would help them fix all those things on Schedule C. Uh, we would actually reach out to the title company and say, hey, have you asked your underwriter you know, about doing this to clear, clear the issue? Because you'll okay. notice there's requirements on there that come from, from the um, examiners. They'll say, you know, there's this issue. We need to get a, you know, this document or we need to have this done. And sometimes, you know, you can talk to the underwriting attorney and maybe propose a different solution that's a little easier than going back and finding all the people from, you know, 1970 that signed this document and have them re-sign it. Because you might be able to convince them maybe like, you know, the risk isn't as great. It's like, okay, do we really need to do this? Could mm -hmm. we just do this instead? Um, and so a real estate attorney can kind of help you walk through that process um, and actually prepare those documents that they need, that you okay. need. So, you know. And you're talking, I guess, about the affidavit, subversion, for example, uh, right. power of attorneys that might be needed to cure some of those, uh, mm -hmm. some of those issues. Now, we, we've also heard from other investors that they hire what's called like a transaction coordinator to do that job. Is that person empowered, if, if it's not an attorney, are they empowered to go after those clouds, those things in Schedule C and calling banks? And I mean, how, how far can they go um, if they're not attorneys? Well, I mean, it, 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 it kind of depends on what they're doing. I mean, if you're trying to get a payoff from someone that's being a pain about giving it to you, um, obviously they can call and they can call every day and that's probably more economical for them to do it mm -hmm. than to hire, to hire an attorney to, to bill you by the hour to, to make those calls. Um, you know, it, it just depends on how much, you know, how much they know about clearing title mm -hmm. as to, to far as like what the issue is. Um, you know, they can definitely communicate with the title company. So your escrow officer is kind of the go-between between the like underwriting attorney and then the, the customers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're going to relay to you what their underwriting attorney says as far as, you know, this is what needs to get done. Um, you know, if you have questions or want to pose different solutions, then they should present those, you know, to that underwriting attorney. Um, so you definitely need to have they, someone that's creative in, in, in solutions that might help, right. like you said, you know, not necessarily go with what the other writer is suggesting doing. I mean, someone that... Yeah, I mean, because there's other solutions. I mean, there could be other ways to cure it. Um, or you may have to... That may be the only way. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like with us, you know, uh, Veronica and I both have a background in clearing title from a legal standpoint. And so when we look at Schedule C and we're talking, like, say, with you on one of your files, and I'm like, okay, these are the issues, you know, we need to... Uh, correct this deed from, you know, 20 years ago. Do you know if these people are still living? Do you know what happened? Um, and then we can kind of talk about it, and then I can go back to the underwriter and say, okay, the, I got some more information. This is really what's going on. Um, could we do this to kind of cure it? And so okay. with our background um, as attorneys, that kind of helps us uh, in communicating with those underwriters as escrow officers. Um, so we kind of play two different roles. <laughs> No, but that, the, but that, the background definitely helps because you know what questions to ask. And that helps explain why you have been so successful doing <laughs> our cases and why we bring our, our files to you. And you should be doing too if you're in the Houston area. <laughs> um, Ricardo, do you have any other questions for Meg? So, um, not really. I mean, it's. I just want to know what what is the... 
usually what it's a process of getting a contract open until you close it. How does that look like from your standpoint? Um, so as soon as we get the contract, a fully signed contract, I mean, we're going to open title right away, um, typically that same day that we get it from you guys. Um, and so what that means, I mean, we just go into our system, open it up, put in the request that they do the examination. Um, usually it takes around three to five business days. Um, you know, obviously if it's a unique situation, like sometimes we, uh, hear from people at the end of the month, like, Hey, there's a foreclosure next week. Can we get it faster? And sometimes we can. Um, it really just depends on like what's in the title. So if they start doing the examination and there's not really any issues, there's a mortgage and, you know, a couple other little things, but there's no, you know, major title issues. There's no, you know, dead, dead people file. <laughs> it's not a dead people file. Um, then we can get that back to you in like three days that, and we're talking about the commitment, mm -hmm. um, as well as the tax certificate. And so those are kind of the first steps. So it's like you give us a contract, we open title, usually takes about three to five days, then you'll get your title commitment, your tax certificate. And at that point, then we can, we'll be able to tell like, okay, this is a pretty clean file. Okay. You know, there's no, let's look at schedule C. Um, we usually review it when we send you the title commitment and say, Hey, on schedule C numbers, you know, eight, nine, and 10, these are the issues. And this is what needs to happen. Um, it could be as simple as getting an affidavit prepared and filed. And that might only take a couple of days. Um, I'm, as you guys know, there's some where it's like, oh, we found out that there's like five or six people mm. that inherited the property. They all live in different states. And they're all over the country. And now we have to reach <laughs> out to, you know, and so that can take a little longer. Um, you know, I've had some that are worse where it's like, okay, there's, you know, this property was still in like great grandma's name and it has been inherited through like three generations and they've done nothing with it. Um, like a meaning that they didn't file any affidavits of airships, they didn't do any probates, there were no wills. And so then we had to go back and do seven or eight affidavits of airship because wow. there's that many people that have died since, you know, the, the original vesting deed um, and trying to find all of those, those family members. Um, so some of those could take months to clear. Um, but usually once you get that title commitment, we know. So we get the title commitment, say it's pretty clean. We don't really have any, you know, major issues. And then it, it just depends on, do you have a lender that's going to, you know, be, be loaning you the money to purchase the property? When are they going to be ready? You know, when is everybody going to be available? Um, let's schedule the closing. Okay. I just want to say something on that note, and this is a tip for people listening to us. This is a I don't want to say a trick because in reality, it's not a trick. It's just out of experience. You know, we have gone through so many houses we've uh, negotiated, contracts we've done that Ricardo and I have learned this and we're going to pass this along to you. When you're negotiating a house and you already have a price uh, agreed on and you're filling out that contract, when it comes to part to filling out the um, closing date, we now ask the seller several questions that give us an idea of how long this is going to take for closing. And again, things like, do you solely own the property or do you have any siblings? If it's a house that was inherited, we always ask questions like that. If it's an inheritance, we, we ask them, did this went through the right probate process or where are you at in that? And, and if they tell us, no, nothing has done. My mom died, you know, I don't know, three years ago and I have eight siblings, that right there, bumps up the closing at least <laughs> 60 to 90 days yeah. more than what you have in mind. So 
if you think, okay, I can close in this property, let's say in two weeks, 14 days. Now, if they answer, yes, we inherited this property, and yes, I have eight siblings, and yes, some of them live in Alaska, you have to tell that seller, okay, instead of two weeks, I'm going to put here in closing date like three months, because you already know this is going to be a tough one. It's yeah. going to be one that yeah. it's going to require time. A lot of work. So, so you prepare the seller ahead of time, even before signing that contract or during the process of signing it, that this is going to be a long process. And, and, and we've learned this through you know this process that we're talking about. Some, some houses, we want to close in two weeks and end up being six months. You never know. There's houses that have not gone through a probate process and the seller wants to go through the right probate process and it takes a year, especially you know Harris County. So that's that's a tip of the day. You know, when you're filling out that contract, putting the closing date, ask some questions first so you know or have an idea. If I mean things show up without anyone knowing, you know, we have an example right now in the workings that we thought it was gonna be a clean, easy closing and find out that the property was not passed along with the right legal descriptions and it, it throws everything back. But you, you know, you just need to be aware of it. Yeah. And I would say like, if you, those are good questions to ask. And if you find out that information, like when you send your contract into open title, like let us know. So mm -hmm. if you, if you know, like the person that signed the contract actually inherited the property from mom and mom is deceased, if you let us know, then we can let our examiners know. And so that way it, there won't be like any holdup because sometimes they'll see, you know, the contract is in the name of a child and that doesn't match the records. And so they might put a hold on it. Then they'll come back to us and, and ask us, you know, oh, I see that the contract is in, you know, Susie's name, but she's not entitled. Like, what's the issue? And so if we can tell them when we submit the order that, you know, hey, you know, mom and dad passed away um, and then they'll know to go ahead and put those requirements on the title commitment and not have any kind of hold up because it won't, it yeah, won't so have to some, go back Something and forth. we've been doing or I've been doing, uh, it's that I, when I negotiate a property, I look at the legal description mm -hmm. and it's going to tell me who the owner is. So right off the bat, you know, estate of so-and-so, I know that, okay, this is a probate deal. Are you really the executor? You know, so I start asking all these questions and they all say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm in power. <laughs> but right it, and turns out they don't have the rights you know yeah. um, many times um, even though they think they do yeah. so what I do is I put the, the the name that appears on the tax record and then I put so and so sign the contract you know on behalf of and then now the title company knows as soon as they get it they say okay we need to contact these people and they let know whoever they need to let know that oh. we need to start chasing all these rabbits around right <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. the way I see it. And sometimes the sellers just don't understand. I right. mean, it's it, like probate's not a simple, you know, it's easy to understand in Texas. And they mm -hmm. might say, you know, like, well, my mom and dad owned it. My dad died. And yeah, my mom owned it after that. Well, you still have to put something in the records mm -hmm. to show that. Um, the appraisal district may change it without, you know, actually having a deed. Um, if you go tell them like, hey, so-and-so is paying the taxes now, it's put it in my name. Sometimes they'll do that without actually getting a deed. They, they shouldn't really, but um, I've seen it happen. And so people say, no, but the appraisal district has my name on it. So everything's good. And I'm like, well, that's not the real property records. And that's what we look at when we examine. 
mm-hmm. um, to, to show who actually is entitled to the property. So some of it is just they don't really understand the process. Um, and so they might think they have all the power or they maybe they had a power of attorney for their mom. Um, but once their mom passes away, the power of attorney is no longer good. Um, so that doesn't really give them any authority, even though they might think it still does. So The one that always surprises them, it's like when the you know one of the original owners you know, passed away and he had ch- childs or children I, sorry children is the right way they had children or a child from a previous marriage and they don't even know that that child has interest in, in that property and it's someone that sometimes they have never even met they know yeah. they have like a, a, a stepbrother or, or whatever you want to call it that the dad or mom had from a previous marriage they have never met that person and at closing that person needs to be contacted needs to agree on the sale of property right. and it's probably going to get money out of it yeah <laughs> and, and, and that always <laughs> that's always like uh you know one of those moments where they're like really do i have to give money to this person yeah you have to so yeah you know, texas yeah. law it's again it's different than many other states you know with the what is it called common law uh, community well Commun- community properties it's a community property state and it is it does get more complicated when you have sort of a blended family with children from multiple marriages and there's no will i mean if you have a will then it's whatever the will says Straightforward. but if you don't have a will and that's Everybody another thing that's that's hard to Look, hard I, to understand I, I is highly, that there's there's statutes that tell you what happens to i highly property. advise everybody <laughs> even if you're broke to have a will wills are not just for rich people wills are for people to basically say how they want their state to be executed mm-hmm. and who's getting what you know so if you're watching this and you don't have a will <laughs> You need to go and get with somebody to get a will. Uh, like, Megan, but I don't know if you guys prepare them. We do. We do. Um, we do small estate planning. Okay. Um, so, you know, for your, most everybody kind of falls into that um, these days. But, you know, we it's pretty simple. And like you said, even if you don't have a whole lot, um, you never know what you might have later on in the future. And you might as well go ahead and make sure it's going to go to who you who you want it to go to. You got to protect it before you have it. Um, okay? So And it can, and it can save and it can save your beneficiaries a lot of time and, mm-hmm. and money Definitely. if you go ahead and have a will and there's some simple ways to probate it. Um, it's just what we're talking about, you know. You can avoid a whole year of struggle <laughs> trying to close on a property just with one piece of paper that's recorded and says exactly what needs to be done. Um, with that being said, Ladies and gents, thank you so much, Meg, for, uh, for explaining <laughs> title commitment to us. Uh, it was very, uh, you see, I learned now the structure, the right structure. What it means. <laughs> what it means. Uh, I just don't, I knew what a Schedule C, uh, C meant, but everything else, I really didn't care. Um, <laughs> now I do. So thank you so much for uh, for giving us this opportunity to uh, to talk about title, which is something that a lot of people wonder about it, but nobody asks about it because yeah. they just assume that the title company will take care of it. Yeah, and and on the real, I mean, real estate law side, if you need help drafting uh, contracts, um, anything that's you know legal documents, feel feel free to reach out to uh, uh, Meg and Veronica. Um, again, Meg, you yeah. want to give out? an email that people can use to contact you? Yeah, you can contact us at, uh, you can contact me at meg 
at bmlawhouston.com. Um, and Veronica is Veronica at bmlawhouston.com. Um, and we work with a lot of new investors, so we do 30-minute consultations for free. So if you want to come and talk about how we could help you out before you get started so you're ready to execute on that first deal once it, once it presents itself, um, make sure you have the right contracts in place, make sure you're doing it correctly, um, you know, we can, we can sit down and talk to you about how we can help you get, get ready for that. So. I, I think that's that's worth gold right there. <laughs> no, I mean, if you're coming here, make sure you write down your questions. That way, it's 30 minutes, yeah, not three hours. Not three hours, okay? Yeah. They're very, very busy, and uh, they're growing, they're expanding, they're soon moving to a new, bigger mm -hmm. office. So things are going to get better and better for them, and we're so thankful to have them on our team. So with that being said again, thanks for listening. RenovatingRichesRadio.com in Spanish, RenovandoRiquezas.com. Don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. Tell your mama, your grandma, and everybody about us, okay? <laughs> Send it to them. You guys have a great day. Bye. Thanks.